When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Backstage Gaming, dramatic takes on your favorite games. I'm Chris. And I'm Dylan. And we're here again to talk to you about games and storytelling and, and smashing those things together. Uh, and, and Dylan had a delightful idea. Well, actually, before we do that, we, we've gotten out of this habit, and I want to get back into it because I like talking to my friend. How are you, Dylan? How are things? Aw, shucks. I'm doing all right. Feeling a little tired but like not not uh overwhelmingly so so you know it's it's been a it's been a lovely autumn yeah <laughs> it's been a lovely autumn even That's if we're the still energy of this podcast if you guys can't tell <laughs> yeah <laughs> no uh, no it, it's been nice um i've really just kind of taken the last couple months to decompress and like i feel i feel like i've been saying that all year but it's been like an ongoing process hey hey like... you know what we are living, th- we've been living through unprecedented times for what feels like ages now. Yeah. I don't think it is a bad thing to let yourself have those, those moments of, nah, not now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, I So it's, it's I been pretty that, chill. Hmm? Yeah, I, I was just saying, I feel that. I have been lazier than I should be with regards to getting my new recording set up, set up at, uh, at my new place, but I'm going to try and, like, really grind my way through that prior mm-hmm. to the end of the year so I can go into 2022 uh, buns glazing, as they say. Um, that is what they say. That's what the kids on TikTok... Um, that's the end of the thought. Um, <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, so uh, one of the things was a uh, friend of the show, Oren Alex, uh, he reached out to me, asked if I wanted to do another uh, Game of the Year type article. I haven't really played that many new video games this year, but he, I, I, he, I hmm? he reached out to me as well, and I forgot to get back to him because I'm a bad person. Uh, no, uh, but I'm in good. kind of the same boat. I haven't played a ton of new games this year. Like, but uh, the the I reason why I'm mentioning this here while we're recording is because um, I did have an idea for an article, and it's it's been about like my personal journey in the past year, trying to like pick myself up after the uh, pandemic and everything else associated with the year 2020 (laughs) yeah um and i uh haven't started it yet but i i have like the basic outline in my head and i'm really excited to get that out there and awesome i'm uh, excited to read it's gonna be a i i feel like it's gonna be an important piece to me so i want to put that on people's radars yeah other than that uh it's been pretty chill um work has been a delightful mix of tolerable and also why are you making me do this right now (laughs) That's uh, the way of it, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's, you know, that's doable. I can, I can suffer that. Um, so, yeah, really, really, uh, on, on a scale out of 10, you know, if we're gonna spot the dud, I would say my life right now is a solid 7. Amazing. <laughs> 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 uh, 
good for you, or I'm sorry. <laughs> Whichever one works. Yeah. We have a topic for you today that I'm very excited about. Dylan reached out to me about this a few days ago. Uh, and we're going to be talking about MacGuffins in games and their use as a storytelling implement. Hey, Dylan, what's, what's a MacGuffin? <laughs> I, I can't remember who coined the term MacGuffin. My brain wants to say it was Hitchcock, but I'm not positive. I just know he used it. Um, but anyway, what a MacGuffin is, is it is a, an item, a tangible thing in a story that drives the plot forward. The, the purpose of the plot, the reason why characters are doing things, is to procure or destroy or, you know, whatever the MacGuffin is, like, Whatever they are doing, it has to do with that MacGuffin. So yeah, and the most, uh, the quickest, easiest example I can think of is the Lord of the Rings is about destroying the One Ring. Yeah, and like yeah. the, I think that the the key that that makes a MacGuffin is that what the thing does, what the thing is, what the thing means, isn't what's important. Right. It's just a thing that a lot of people want, or or is you know is understood to have importance for whatever reason as such that it drives the plot forward. The seven dragon balls are MacGuffins. Exactly. Uh, in um, the world of video games, the Triforce is like the, the clearest example of this that I could think of. As what I that's was actually sort of a pretty smooth this. transition into just jumping in. Let's wanna, fucking do it. I'm, to, I'm, yeah. I, I have done a bump and now Dylan's coming in with the spike. Bump and spike, that's us. <laughs> that's um, what they call us. <laughs> bump spike. Welcome to, welcome to welcome to why games are good with bump and spike. <laughs> that's what the BSG really stands for. That's what that, that's what our uh bump spike games. That's that's the, the I found the episode grinding. title. Oh I've, behave. I've found the episode title. Just gonna write down why games are good with bump and spike. <laughs> All right, yeah. Anyway, let's jump into this. Uh, so uh, the actual reason why I proposed this episode was because of the Triforce in Zelda. And um, for people who don't know Zelda or Zelda lore or anything about Zelda, um, the conflict in 90% of Zelda games is over this thing called the Triforce. And what is the Triforce? It is this... Um, it is the are there are these three golden triangles that were created after the gods created the world and left to go back to heaven um and but that's that's not really important what is important is that the the big bad ganondorf has one piece of the triforce and he wants the other two so every game he will do whatever he can to try to get the other two and fail because link and zelda are there to stop him yeah um, that's that's it <laughs> that's it uh, that's what the Triforce is. Um, and some in, in some games, you, you do interesting things with the Triforce. Uh, for example, in, in uh, The Legend of Zelda, The Wind Waker, Link's personal Triforce piece, the Triforce of Courage, um, has been shattered and scattered throughout the world. And so as the current incarnation of Link, you have to go around the entire sea and collect the eight pieces of the Triforce. And it's it's kind of this um, end game, like do a lap around the world. And some people hate it. I personally love it. Yeah, I really um, enjoy it as well. 
but yeah, that that's that's kind of the basic gist of what the Triforce is. I actually when I, when I initially pitched this episode, I wanted to talk about the Triforce because I wanted to talk about games where um the MacGuffin is intangible. I don't I I can't think of a single Zelda game where like the Triforce is actually an item in your inventory or yeah. it gives you specific abilities. Um however, conveniently, uh today there was a YouTube video in my subscriptions feed by a uh you're going to laugh at the name of this YouTube channel Hard for Games. Amazing. Uh they they do a lot of um they do a lot of uh, exploring in games, looking for glitches and codes and artifacts of previous builds of the game. Oh, very um, cool. Yeah, they're, they're a really cool channel. Lately, they've been uh, looking at hacks and uh, like fan hacks of uh, different ROMs, usually Zelda Ocarina of Time. And uh, the video that I saw today as of recording this was a video that uh, apparently a bunch of people just recreated an earlier build of ocarina of time from when before e3 there was a gaming event called space world and that's where that was the expo where um, a bunch of companies would show off their games nintendo included so i guess they took they found like dummied out uh space world content textures uh coding stuff like that for the beta and oh they very used cool the final build of ocarina of time to recreate that and one of the coolest things about that that was like, oh, I have to bring that up on the episode we're recording later tonight is uh, the spirit medallions. Uh, Chris, I don't know if you remember the spirit medallions from Ocarina of Time. But, I do. Um, those are the those are the collectibles in the latter half of the game or like yes, I guess the so, second act of the game, not the latter half. Yeah. But, so Zelda has MacGuffins on MacGuffins yep. on MacGuffins. <laughs> Uh, um, I, as I was researching for this episode, yes. I discovered via Wikipedia that if a, a story contains multiple MacGuffins, they are sometimes referred to as plot coupons. <laughs> That's amazing. I, I just I like that. that term. I'm so glad you told me this. <laughs> um, but anyway, in the final build of The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, they are basically a receipt that say that you have completed this dungeon. Yeah. So if you have the Forest Medallion, that's basically the game telling you you have beaten the Forest Temple. Uh, likewise for the Spirit Medallion, uh, Shadow Medallion, whatever, what have you. And uh, at the end of Ocarina of Time, the game basically checks to make sure... I don't know if it checks to... I, I'd have to consult a, a speedrunning guide because I feel like some people have done this, but the game either checks if you have all six, all seven. Yeah, I think there's seven of them. All seven spirit medallions or the game checks to make sure you have the last, uh, the last medallion and that's how you access the final level. In, oh, um, interesting. In the beta build of Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, or at least in the beta build as recreated by these fans, the uh the different medallions have different spells like they they cast magic so in the final build ocarina of time um you find the, uh, a couple of these spells just in secret caves across the world um but if the this beta recreation is to be believed these spells were originally going to be rewards to you as a you know for completing a dungeon and so interesting you, and, uh, yeah, it, part of it is, like, what might have been, but another part of it is also, like, I really love when, um, 
you get a tangible reward like the 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 game's text hypes up the these MacGuffins, but so few times I see it like actually pay off in a way that feels like tangible to me as a player. Um, and I I love to see stuff like that, uh, stuff like that. Um, I remember when I was in high school in Assassin's Creed, there were these MacGuffins called Pieces of Eden. Mm-hmm. Um. And in Assassin's Creed 2 Brotherhood, you were able to actually get your hands on the Apple of Eden for a brief time, and it actually changed uh, the gameplay. I think you could yeah, like, manipulate yeah. enemy soldiers or something like that. Something it's, like that. It's been, a, it's been damn near a decade since I've played <laughs> that game. Holy cow. But yeah, I, I love, love, love it when, when games do stuff like that. So... Uh, those those were the the first couple examples I had. Uh, I was yeah. wondering. I'll pass it over to you, Chris, if you have anything. Well, I was going to say the about. the that contrast you're pointing out is kind of the difference between you know MacGuffins as a as a storytelling tool can be you know often get kind of a bad rap uh, just because mm-hmm. it's like oh you know you're you're building your story around a MacGuffin even though like that's you know a ton of great stories do that. Right. The Lord of the Rings is a great example. The ring is absolutely a MacGuffin. It's just a MacGuffin that, like, is useful at times. So, like... I think the difference between a good MacGuffin and a bad MacGuffin is what is written around the MacGuffin. So, the the one ring is interesting because characters are literally fighting over it. And yeah. um, it's a lot of the drama is about the temptation of the MacGuffin. Um, yeah. With something like, God, I don't want to take pot shots at the well, Star here's, Wars. Here's here's trilogy, an example but... of one that uh, is a little less good, even if just because like it's a perfectly serviceable MacGuffin, but it's one that you forget about. R two D two in yes, exactly in uh, a New Hope is a MacGuffin. He has the Death Star plans in him, and the one of the main focuses of the story is getting the Death Star plans to the Rebellion, and like. R2 is not, like, this is not a bad thing about the story, but, like, it's easy to forget that R2 is the MacGuffin through the entire thing because it's set up in the first act as an important thing, and it comes back and is resolved going into the third act, but it doesn't, like... For much of the second act, Princess Leia is the, the main focus. Yeah, yeah. Like, R2, R2's MacGuffin has served its purpose to get the story going, and then it can kind of fade away until they tie it off before mm-hmm. the climax of the story. and like. Again, that's not bad storytelling. That is just an example of like kind of the the bog standard MacGuffin trope of like a thing that's introduced to kick things off and then it kind of like disappears until it needs to be tied off, like the medallions in in Ocarina. Like yeah. you get them because they're important for you to get, and then they don't matter again until you get to that final door where you need all of them to open the door. One that I one that kind of came to mind for me. And this is one that I kind of enjoy because it's it is very much a MacGuffin, but it's also a core piece of the gameplay in um, in Horizon Zero Dawn, which I will admit I have not beaten. I've played a fair amount of it, but I tend to get open world game fatigued fairly easily at times. Yeah, Yeah, I definitely get that near the beginning of the game. And this is not going to get into spoilers because, like I said, I don't know how the game how the game wraps up, really. I haven't sought out a play, uh, Let's Play to, to finalize my understanding. But as the game begins, you are playing as the main character, Aloy, as a child. And she falls down into this 
ruin of the like old destroyed world. For people who don't know, Horizon Zero Dawn is a game about a post-apocalypse where machines took over and sort of plunged the world back into sort of a dark ages sort of state. Uh except that there are robot dinosaurs roaming the world and killing people. It's a cool concept for a game. I really enjoyed what I've played of it. I just haven't beaten it. But so you tumble down into this ruin of the old world, which is like, you know, a now underground uh, apartment complex and research center. And you find this little, like, essentially Google Glass, for lack of a better word. It's this little, like, earpiece that the Aloy puts on, and it's able to project information and scan other pieces of technology in the environment. And it becomes like it, it it immediately then becomes a part of the gameplay. You can you can click a button to toggle like viewing the world through this Google Glass and it lets you scan uh, hostile robots to see sort of where their various like weak point targets are on their bodies. Uh, you can use it to uh, scan tr- scan tracks or patrol routes of the robots in the area if you're trying to be sneaky. It becomes a very intrinsic part of the gameplay but it's also what kind of sets Aloy off on her quest because suddenly she has this piece of technology that lets her see the world in a way that the other people around her can't and in turn gets her in sort of the crosshairs of other people who are trying to use the old technology and I just think this is a really cool way of introducing sort of a very gamey thing like you know it's like detective vision in the Batman Arkham games or Eagle Vision in the Assassin's Creed games, it serves the same kind of purpose of being able to like toggle a heads up display that gives you more information in a way that is presented as being more diegetic. Yes. But then to tie that into the motivations of the characters around her and make, you know, having this tool part of sort of the driving point of the, the greater narrative. Sorry. I just, I I didn't want to just be like, "Uh uh-huh. Yes. No, you're, you're good. Yeah. It's, it's, and again, I don't know how much it remains in the narrative going forward, but it is intrinsic to sort of the, the push into the second act of the game. And I just thought that was a really cool uh, choice on the part of those developers. Yeah, make make your MacGuffins cool and interesting and useful beyond just like, yep, and now you want the Maltese Falcon. <laughs> <laughs> That's a reference of, to the yes. Maltese Falcon for I, all of I my... I got uh, it. Don't, don't my worry. My Pulp Fiction fans out there. Not the film Pulp Fiction, like the genre. I'm going to stop talking. Dylan, what's the next game you wanted to I, talk about? Uh, okay, yeah, so... This is, because we're making this kind of a short one, this is the only other one I really wanted to talk about. Uh, Final Fantasy XII has a small handful of MacGuffins that are all uh, related, but I'm going to get to what I find so cool about them in a second. Um, Although first, first you'll have to forgive me, I'm going to look up one more thing, if you'll forgive me. How dare you? I know, I'm the worst. (laughs) All right, so all Final Fantasy games have crystals as, like, a primary MacGuffin. Um, The original Final Fantasy is about how the four elements of the world have been thrown out of whack, and it's because the crystals that govern the four alchemical elements, earth, wind, fire, water, they, uh, your job is to take the crystals and, like, go to these temples where you can replenish their power. 
and every every Final Fantasy game kind of riffs on the idea of crystals. Like there are more games that do than don't. Um, sometimes the crystals are sentient. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes they're given another name, like Magisite or uh, Lassie. Um, but they're they're crystals for all intents and purposes. In Final Fantasy twelve which is among my favorite Final Fantasy games, and I feel like I've talked about it a decent amount on the show, but I don't know. I don't feel like I get the chance to talk about it all that much. <laughs> um, in, in Final Fantasy XII, uh, there is Nethesite, and what Nethesite is, is it is a type of crystal that drains magic from other enchanted crystals, ores, whatever, um, around it. And there are special types of Nethesite that are god-made uh, for all intents and purposes. I want to try and keep this as simple and lore-light as possible. Uh, simple uh, and clean, Dylan, is the Exactly, it's the way that, the way that I want you to feel tonight. Dumb, <laughs> dumb joke. So <laughs> it's a dumb podcast. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so the, there are uh, three different forms of this uh day affected nethesite is what it's called which is a mouthful i realize um and each one was gifted to the no keep it lore light not important <laughs> uh, the bad guys are Stay after, on target uh, <laughs> yes the the bad guys are after day affected ne- man day affected nethesite um so they can manufacture their own copy uh nethesite how many times am I going to say Nethesite in the next five minutes? We'll see. Um, Stay tuned to find out. Yes. So the, the momentum of the second act in particular is uh, the one of the major characters in the party, uh, Ash. She wants to learn how to use the Nethesite so she can use it to uh, defeat the empire that is currently occupying her kingdom and regain her rightful place as queen. So... A lot of it is her going from place to place, asking different wise men, different oracles, how to use the Nethesite. And really, a lot of the story of Final Fantasy XII is Ash running around in circles trying to get the power she needs. Um, but the the cool thing about the Nethesite is that it is... It's not cool. It's like a weapon of mass destruction. It's like a very bad thing um, that shouldn't be used. And... A lot of the journey is learning to not rely on Nethesite, to not rely on this chosen weapon of the gods for, like, what Ash believes herself to kind of be the chosen one to wield the Nethesite to win back her kingdom. And uh, a lot of the story of Final Fantasy XII is chosen one narratives are kind of a con. Um, The gods (laughs) don't have your best interest at heart. Um, And so if you look at... uh, Ash's Nethesite, the Dawn Shard is what it's called. Um, what it does is it increases your magic resistance by a fair amount, but it saps you of all your MP. And you might think, well, for such an important item, like this sure doesn't seem like a very useful item to have. You would think it would be like God tier and like overpowered. But no, it's not, because the story is about how, you know, unless you're unless you're using it properly, which is what Ash is trying to do, then you know, that's God tier and you're going to basically poke holes in the Earth's crust because you have too much power. But um, 
without that power, it's just kind of useless, and it's just taking up space in your inventory, and you have to be okay with that. Ash also uh, gets a sword called the uh, King's Sword of Kings, which is used to basically create more uh, day effect at Netha's site. But the sword itself, in RPGs, you are used to swords having like super high attack power. And like if it's a blade of legend, it's like the most powerful weapon in the game. The Sword of Kings sucks. <laughs> it's a bad weapon. <laughs> Yo, I love that. That's really yeah. cool. Because it's it's not meant to be like this this kick-ass sword that you're using to slay evil it's literally it's literally a tool used in the process of creating something and it's it's just this very nice like you hear the sword of kings and you think oh this is going to be awesome but it's and it's anticlimactic and i think final fantasy 12 is a story built on anticlimaxes yeah, it, and, yeah from what i've played of it it felt that. like it was very much interested in playing with the sort of established tropes of mm -hmm. its genre. I would agree with that uh, wholeheartedly. I love that this mythic god weapon capable of creating the stuff of, you know, the, the stuff that the world is built on also kind of sucks. I yeah. think that's fantastic. <laughs> it's very good. <laughs> god, and is, I imagine it's the kind of thing that you also, like, can't drop from your inventory. <laughs> No, no, you can't. It's it's pl it. it's plot critical. Um, in fact, Ash gets a reforged Sword of Kings, or you know, it's a Sword of Kings like called the Treaty Blade, and it's only like slightly better. That's awesome. I yeah, I think that's great. And I, I again, that's playing with kind of one of the other tropes of of like good MacGuffins is making them a little more interesting. See also, uh, not to keep harping on it, but the Ring in the Lord of the Rings is not. It, it has its uses, but it also gets uh, our good boy Frodo in no small amount of trouble <laughs> over the using, course of the story. The one ring, using the one ring in The Lord of the Rings is like saying, I'm going to tiptoe past this person by pulling a fire alarm. Yeah. And I, you're, I you're think that's really fucking cool. But everything's, yeah, exactly. You're invisible, but now evil things are alerted to your presence. So really, who who... Who benefited? Yeah. Um, I love MacGuffins that do that. I love MacGuffins yeah. where you have to think about why they're not as good as, you know, uh, genre convention would convince you they might be. Yeah, and I, I think that really is kind of the root of the most effective ones in fiction is they're... It's not about what they can necessarily do. It's about the import placed on them by the story and by the world and by the fact that people want them. But they can be elevated by giving them, you know, interesting, interesting play, interesting narrative mm -hmm. uh, kickback, interesting, you know, in gameplay terms, interesting gameplay side effects. Are there, right. I guess, one more note before we, because I kind of, I feel like we're kind of wrapping up, but I'm just curious, is there any benefit to using the Sword of Kings in combat? Does it have any, like... No. At no. Least not that I, I, I'm look, I have the stats pulled up in front of me. Um, at least I did. Ugh. <laughs> no, I don't think there's uh the stats are even listed for the Sword of Kings on the wiki. Um the Treaty Blade has its stats. Apparently it got a buff in the re-release, which is lame. Um <laughs> But yeah, uh it, it's uh stats in the original version are it has uh 30 attack, 30 evade. That that's kind of decent. Um but like 
really nothing special, and I don't think it has any like passive abilities that would make it useful once uh, its raw numbers have outlived their usefulness. So yeah, it's uh, it's a sword that you're given for completing a dungeon, and you're like, all right, Sword of Kings, and then you know you look at it and you're like, all of my equipment's better than this. <laughs> That. Maybe it'll get an upgrade uh, at a certain point in the game. It never does. Like you, you get you get the treaty blade, but like it's it's just nothing. That's really and fun. That's good. I, I I don't know. I'm I'm it's, just tickled it's just pink by a that. ceremonial sword. That's awesome. Um, I think that'll probably do it for us this week. Keeping it kind of short and breezy for y'all. I hope that is acceptable for you. And if it's not, well, you're already listening, and this is all there is this week. We'll be back in a couple weeks with another one. Yeah, let us know your favorite examples of interesting uh, MacGuffin usage in games. Uh, I'd love to know. I, if it's not obvious by everything about this podcast, I like thinking about how games tell stories, and I'd love to see more <laughs> examples of this kind of uh, this kind of like storytelling tool being used in cool and interesting ways. So Dylan will tell you how to get a hold of us on social media shortly. But I, before that, I'm going to tell you thank you for listening to our show and if you like it to remind you to maybe leave a rating or a review wherever you're getting your show wherever we're your show this is your show now uh you can have the keys and deal with everything uh anyway we're available on on uh, apple podcasts spotify google play all the all the podcatchers that are out there where you can find good podcasts and they don't cost money because that's how podcasts work i'm ram i'm very sorry i <laughs> we're uh, we're having a good good time also, you can find our website, bsgpod.com, where there's more information about the show, more information about me and Dylan, a contact form if you want to reach out to us directly, all that kind of stuff. And if you just want to touch base with us on social media, why, Dylan's got the hookup for you there. Yeah, if you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Facebook and on Twitter, where our handle is at bsg underscore cast. Um, yeah, and if you want to talk to us about different uh, video game MacGuffins, if you want to talk to us about... Um, video game MacGuffins. No. Um you can you uh we we like it when you use that hashtag BSG pod. Um also huge thanks to our friend Brendan French for the key art he has provided our show. If you dig his stuff out uh if you dig his stuff you can check it out at Brennan-French.squarespace.com. That is B-R-E-N-N-E-N-French.squarespace.com. You can also find him on Instagram.com slash BrennanFrenchArts or on his Twitter, where his handle is at Brennan underscore French. You should also go show some love to our friend BioQuery. He's the musician behind our theme song, Dot Sound Radio Volume 1 Instrumentality. You can find all of his music by going to soundcloud.com slash BioQuery, or by searching for BioQuery on Spotify. That's B-I-O-Q-U-E-R-Y, BioQuery. Thank you, as always, to the HP Video Game Podcast Network for having us on the network. It's a great network full of podcasts about video games. If you like our show, you're sure to like some of the other shows over there. And you can find them all by going to Twitter and searching for at HPVGPodNetwork. And thank you to our patrons at patreon.com slash bsgpod. This show is all your fault, and it is genuinely uh, super rewarding and super uh, gratifying that we have the support that we do there. We are not losing money making the show, and that's all I've ever really asked for out of the Patreon. So if you like the show and you like uh, what we do and you want to support it in a very direct way, patreon.com slash bsgpod is the best way to do that. And with that, we'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. 
Dylan, you're you're my little MacGuffin. This is the the oh, outro that shots. I'm choosing to go you with. Goodbye, so everybody. And so. <laughs> Goodbye.